Hey sickos, I'm LJ. And I'm Tao. And this is Say Psycho Right Now. Say Psycho Right Now is a true crime and paranormal podcast. Some content may be considered disturbing or graphic. This podcast also contains adult language. Listener discretion is advised. To access our socials or become a Patreon member with access to early episodes and bonus content, find us on any social media platform and consult the link tree in our bio or go to www.patreon.com slash psycho right now. You can also follow us on our socials or wherever you stream your podcasts and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying our content so we can continue to reach more people. This is a great free way to support your favorite content creators. Case suggestions or stories to share can also be sent to saypsychorightnow at gmail.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Yay! sickos welcome back hey everybody welcome back if you're new here welcome to the shit show absolutely and if you're old here thanks for growing with us (laughs) god okay so before we even get to the episode this week we're gonna do like a baby off topic tuesday it's not a real off topic tuesday it's just banter really welcome Mm -mm. to the shit show So, as some of you who have been listening to the podcast know, I'm pregnant, right? A little over 12 weeks right now. I've been sick as a dog. I have hyperemesis and stuff. And I have an autoimmune disease that was aggravated. I just did, like, a one-week stent in Le Hospital and just got discharged on Friday night. We're recording this on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not even really like an off-topic Tuesday. It's all this, you know. Sometimes I listen to podcasts and they're like, "Oh, like I have the sniffles." I'm like, I'm pretty sure I literally have aseptic meningitis, which is a side effect from uh, the IVIG treatment that they give you. Um, it's not mm-hmm. like everybody who gets it gets aseptic meningitis, but I mean, I have been so ill, fam, so ill. So just hang with me. I'm trying to bring the same energy, but I'm a little schlumped. <laughs> she's, she's not thriving. I'm truly not. Truly not. But I'm going to try to do my best for you guys. Because this is a really, oh God, it's a fucked up case. Honestly, I was going to say interesting, but interesting. Mm, like, God. Surface. Lay it on me, mama. You know I love a fucked up case. <laughs> And this one is, so usually I I tend to start with the history of, like, just providing background on our, our victim or perpetrator. We're going to go a little further even with background today. This case takes place in Hong Kong. So I'm going to give just, like, a real quick debrief on, you know, what the context in Hong Kong is for this time in the case because I feel like that's important. So 
Even though Hong Kong is a busy city housing over 7 million people, it is well known for its low violent crime rate. So the shocking events of today's case were just very out of place for Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong was previously a colony of Britain and was turned back over to China in 1997, which is like pretty recent, guys. I don't I know did why not I didn't realize know that. Yeah, I did. I didn't know that either, and I feel like history that was like me. we like, were we were alive when that happened yeah like this this wasn't something that happened like when our parents were kids when our grandparents were kids like this is like pretty new you know this is like active history right and just something that like i personally am like embarrassed to say that like i never learned that in school you know i, I just yeah. didn't know well that's the american education system for you yeah so true so china as a part of this negotiation right they promised hong kong 50 years of free reign where it would operate independently of china so at this time hong kong still thrives on capitalism while China operates on communism, but Hong Kong is like its own like state for for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, yeah. So more recently, largely due to government retaliation to protests taking place in Hong Kong, there has been more government interference from China in Hong Kong's academics, economy, and just general structure. China has largely blamed COVID for this, but that's really kind of like the mask, you know, like COVID isn't, isn't the issue. They're just right. trying to like crack the whip, really. They, they don't like the protests, the anti-communism, quote unquote, propaganda. So anyway, Hong Kong people are continuing to fight for their independence of China and the independence from the communist structure of government and economy. I do want to point out, as I try to, when I get a lot of information from one specific source, the information that I just provided you with for context is just like the tip of the iceberg of information that I got from a source that is going to be linked in the show notes. If you're interested in more background on this, I recommend listening to Stephanie Harlow's video on this case as she does go into a lot more detail on the political and historical background in Hong Kong, which I found extremely interesting to provide context. But in our particular case, you know, we're not trying to copycat here. I just wanted to give enough background so that we can all be informed here. We're just going to primarily keep the focus on the events of today's case. So. Mm. But maybe check that out because that was a really, really good informative video. So now we're going to get into some background specifically on our victim in today's case. Abby Choi was born on July 15th of 1994. Fun fact, my birthday is July 20th. So this just kind of hits home for me because it's like it's very like personal, right? When you realize like how close you actually are to somebody theoretically yeah. you know five five days apart from birth it's like that could could have been me you know yeah i mean it's... i share a birthday with hitler so oh wow i'm glad that wasn't <laughs> you i just yeah. meant that it like humanizes somebody that much more but uh <laughs> yeah i mean it didn't didn't help me humanize hitler so yeah, well as it shouldn't anyway <laughs> Abby was living in Hong Kong, and she was a model, a socialite, and an influencer who had over 100,000 followers on Instagram, so she was very good at what she did. Abby regularly attended Paris Fashion Week and even had a vlog series on her Instagram that she called Abby in Paris, documenting her adventures in the city. Abby was also featured in major magazines such as Elle and Vogue, and shared her modeling photos on her social channels. Less than two before her death, Abby was even featured on the cover of a magazine, L'Officiel Monaco, which I probably butchered because I am white and from the south. <laughs> so, sorry guys. In this article, Abby was recognized as a fashion icon who could mix and match pieces in ways that made her a trender. And when you look at the photos of 
Abby, like, on her Instagram or just, you know, on Google Images, she did have, like, a very unique style. And you could tell that she definitely had, like, what's a good word for it? (laughs) My brain went pizzazz. I'm like, that's a terrible word for it. I hate it. But (laughs) she just had a, a knack for things in unexpected ways that wouldn't be, like, the first choice of most people but it worked what i mean and yeah that's very much what she was known for that was like her brand so although abby was a socialite at the time of her passing things weren't always that way she was born into a pretty average family after she was born her mom divorced her biological dad eventually remarrying another man When Abby's mom remarried, she went on to have two more daughters who would be Abby's half-sisters, and Abby's parents developed a mining business on China's mainland, which led to their family becoming extremely affluent. So she wasn't, like, born into this inordinate amount of wealth. She she had a very normal life Mm. up until, you know, later when their family did That makes a difference, you know, like... Yeah, she wasn't, like, silver-spooned, so she was very... She was very humble. She came from humble beginnings, and when their family did come into money, she definitely had an amount of gratitude for that, you know? Yeah. Also, Um, I just want to share really quick that apparently I fact-checked wrong, and Hitler's birthday is actually two days after mine. I just don't want the people to call me a liar, but proceed. That's okay. It's within the five-day window, so it's still relevant. God, I love it. Like, as I'm giving the case debriefing, you're Googling Hitler's birthday. Freaking psycho. Well, I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute. Maybe it's not. Maybe I Maybe have that Hitler's wrong. not my birthday, buddy. <laughs> Maybe Hate I need to fact here. check that. Okay, go ahead. God. Proceed. Okay, so in 2012, Abby married Alex Quang. Her family did give an opinion stating that. They thought she might be a bit young. They encouraged her to reconsider, not necessarily because of Alex in particular. Like, they didn't have anything against Alex, right? Mm. But just her age. They were like, you know, Abby, like, you're young. Yeah. I mean, I I remember 2012. I mean, we're five days apart. I would have been, personally, and I'm not speaking for Abby, I would have been completely stupid to get married then i had no sense so oh my I god can... if i would have gotten married in 2012 i'm thinking about the person who i would have married <laughs> literally in 2012 my mom had to confiscate my passport because i was debating going to spain to meet this guy that i've been talking to And my mom was like, this is literally how people get sex trafficked. And I'm like, you don't understand anything, mom. And then now I'm like, oh, my God, that's literally how people get sex trafficked. Thank God that woman confiscated my passport and used the brain cells that I didn't have. Like, I probably would have been abducted. I mean, to be fair... I've done similar things and not been abducted, not condoned. Okay, but did they FaceTime you? Because my mom was like... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. There was FaceTime action. Yeah, my mom was like, he hasn't even FaceTimed you. Like, you're so far in denial. And I was. I was so... Like, Neve from Catfish would have eaten me alive with so much empathy. We love Neve. But he would have been like, honey... no <laughs> no so, there was uh, there was facetime action and also the the person in question had a career where details about them were verifiable via the internet if that makes sense yeah no, in this situation was which like, i feel like is like helpful in you know online dating situations Yeah, this was, like, none of that. This person was, like, allegedly a student, didn't really do social media, didn't really Mm. FaceTime because they had anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, like, I was such a dumb bitch in 2012. Like, I'm sure Abby was probably smarter than me, at least. 
So I was so naive. But I mean, you were you were like just barely post cult, so we'll just talk Yeah, which is a story that'll be coming up soon. We're gonna be talking about some time that I spent of my formative years in a cult. <laughs> which yeah. kind of goes to show where my headspace was which at I, at this time. I believe is the next episode actually. Actually, yeah. So uh yeah. you know, definitely follow up for that. Yeah. But yeah, we've sidetracked like too much on this, but point being I relate to it. 2012 me shouldn't have have had permission to make my own adult choices. Um, But Abby's family, you know, they gave her, like, some room on the leash. You know, I mean, really, truly, she wasn't on the leash. They're like, you know, you're 18. You can. You have the legal authority to. Yeah. Do we think it's the best idea? No, but we're not stopping you either. So Abby did decide to go forward with the wedding. She did have her family's support of her decision, even though they kind of gave their input, you know. Um, Once she said, like, no, this is definitely what I want to do, there wasn't another word about it. They just supported her. Um, And both her and Alex were 18. There wasn't, like, a big age gap or anything. So they were just like, well, they're young, but this is their choice. And if they... If it works, beautiful. If not, like, it was a lesson that they needed to experience for themselves, you know? So, Abby and Alex had a son and a daughter um, who were just 10 and 8 years old, respectively, at the time that Abby went missing. Um, Although Long has a crime rate, like we mentioned before, they do have a major issue with nonviolent crime, Especially mm. crimes related to theft and scamming. So they're like more of like a white collar crime kind of place, you know? I mean, um, are, those, are those white collar crimes? Well, scamming, I feel like. Yeah. Solid. I mean, I guess it depends on like the nature of the scam, right? But I mean, theft, I guess, is just like a petty offense, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, uh, at least the... in most cases, depending on the value. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Alex was arrested in 2013 and 2015 for jewelry theft and skipped out on trial. He'd also been wanted since 2015 for his role in a $5 million gold scam, which is why my head was at, like, white-collar crime, because Mm, that's, yeah, you know, I kind of knew the context of what was coming up. But for him, yeah, we're definitely talking about, like, grand theft and also white collar crime in the form of like gold scams and stuff now in 2015 alex and abby divorced and abby entered into a relationship with a man by the name of chris tam who also came from an affluent family who had successful noodle shops across hong kong yeah i know i felt like something needed to be said about that but i don't know what to say other than like Mm, nudes, nudes. nudes. <laughs> yeah oh god love a good nude <laughs> love a good nude oh god so chris actually knew abby through alex funny enough i guess like small world out there so alex and chris had gone to junior high together and they did have a big wedding ceremony but never legally filed the paperwork abby and chris they also went on to have two children together also a boy and a girl, and they were six and three, respectively, at the time that Abby went missing. So that put her with a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old, cumulatively, just to be clear. Now, Abby's personal net worth alone exceeded $100 million at the time of her death. Being as active as she was on social media, leading up to her disappearance, there were posts of her travels to the tropics, the mountains, and this. And then suddenly her Instagram feed went radio silent. When she was announced as being missing, followers were quick to latch on to the case in hopes of trying to make sense of her disappearance. Her last Instagram post was on February 15, 2023, and referenced her cover feature on L'Officiel Monaco. It kind of reminds me, and I mean, it's not the same, but I I think you guys will understand the parallel I'm drawing here of, like, the Gabby Petito case, right? Because she was an influencer mm. as well. Like, she had her travel blog, 
And yeah. I think that that in part sparked a lot of traction in her case. Um, right, but definitely, right. Definitely made me think of that case. Now, Abby was known for her generous spirit, often donating to charities that benefited animals. She was especially interested in efforts to rehabilitate and rehome stray animals, and she was known to attend gatherings for animal welfare, and her friends Joey Wong and Bernard Chang said that they were in a group chat together on WhatsApp that centered on their love for Bengal cats, which just made me smile. That's so wholesome. I just love that. That's so wholesome. I'm an animal girly, so... I want to be Go in a bingle cat group chat. Can we start our own bingle cat group chat? Oh, precious. Let us know in the comments if you want to start a bingle cat. Maybe we chat. should rename one of our Patreon tiers the bingle cat group chat. Okay. Let us know, like Patreons. Like, I feel like that's like slightly excessive. She, she said that's pushing it. That's yeah. Pushing it. Right. Well, maybe we'll just start a little bingle cat group chat. Let us know. At one point, a member of the chat found an injured Bengal that had broken both of its little legs, and Abby ended up paying for the cat's extensive rehabilitation. As there, yeah, she's. It says that like the nonprofit that they were getting together for the cats, it wasn't fully set up yet to like actually be able to accept donations. So Abby was just like you know, screw it, ready or not, I'll pay out of pocket. Like, it doesn't need to be considered a donation. I don't need a tax write-off. I'm saving that kitty cat, though. (laughs) And she did, which was so sweet. And she was just described in general by loved ones as being sincere and kind, even as she became more affluent and prominent media figure. She was still, like, very humble, very concerned about others very concerned about animal welfare she just had a very pure heart so in july of 2019 abby also purchased her ex-husband's family a home in a highly coveted area and that home was valued at nearly 10 million u.s dollars and she did this because her ex was unemployed so she's just like, okay, you don't have a job. I We aren't married, but my kids are with you some of the time, and therefore I will just buy you guys a $10 million house so that they have comparable lifestyles at both homes. Like, just mm-hmm. bought it. Yeah. By October of the same year, she'd even paid the mortgage off and helped her ex's brother Anthony buy a home as well. She also employed Anthony on her payroll as her personal driver so that he would have a steady living wage as he was having financial issues due to uh, lawsuits by banks for unpaid debts. Abby's family's status uh, likely has played a role in how quickly her case was solved as there was about a four-day turnaround time between when Abby was reported missing and when her case was considered a solved case. Seven arrests have been made in her case to date, but the case is actually current, currently still considered an open case. Even though it's technically solved, it's open. Like, we, we know what happened. We know primarily right. who's responsible, right? But um, it's unknown at this time if more arrests could take place. Because remember, we we talked about this before, Hong Kong has a very, very low violent crime rate. So Mm -hmm. they kind of are of the opinion that if you had even an inkling of possible involvement, you could potentially be charged in the same capacity as the person who, you know, pulled the trigger, right? So that's kind of where they're at right now. They've got seven people who have been arrested in her case and all of the people who predominantly engaged are definitely like behind bars, not going anywhere type thing. But the reason they have it open is to give them the flexibility to make arrests if they decide they have enough information on anybody else to decide that they could potentially prove enough involvement to justify charges even if it's just knowing about it and not reporting it right okay 
so now we are going to start getting into the events of today's case. We previously discussed a number of things that Abby had done with her wealth to benefit the lives of her in-laws. In 2021, Abby had even gone on a trip with her brother-in-law and his wife with her new partner, which she paid for. And things with the in-laws seemed to be going fine as long as Abby provided their lavish lifestyle. Things took a turn in the summer of 2022 when Abby made her in-laws aware that she was planning to sell the 10 Sorry, the $10 million home that she bought that we were discussing earlier. Mm. It seems her father-in-law, Quang Cao, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, but he was the one who really took issue with this. He was a former Hong Kong policer who abruptly retired in 2005 after allegations of sexual abuse. So he's just, like, not a great guy. uh... Yeah, super just, like, skeezy, scummy, sleazy. We don't like him. He's a solid zero-star individual in this case. A friend of Abby's told authorities that Quang Cao had threatened Abby if she sold the home they were all living in without making alternative living arrangements for them that he was going to kill her. Like, he just point-blank said it. Now, Abby had a... Yeah, yeah. So, he was, like, not shy about just being an actual devil. Um, And Abby had assured them that there would be some other arrangements in place, but it just be as lavish, and the family took issue with this. You know, they, like, wanted the $10 million house, and that's it, (laughs) you know? Now, although Abby had paid for the apartment... She did put it in her father-in-law's name. It's thought that this might have been a little less wholesome than it initially seemed, right? That mm. maybe this was an act of like tax evasion rather than an act from the absolute bottom of her heart of kindness, you know? Okay. Either way, the in-laws definitely benefited from this for a period of time. I mean, they got to live in a $10 million house rent-free for how long, you know? But Abby's plan seemed to be, you know, to kind of hide money in that asset to avoid taxes and then to sell it when it would most benefit her. Mm -hmm. But when Abby's father-in-law was uncooperative with the sale, Abby consulted an attorney who advised that as long as she could prove that she personally was the one who paid for it, that she definitely could legally sell the house and recover the profits for herself. You know, that might not be consistent with American law. I don't know. Don't at me. I'm not an attorney. But this is what the attorney that she was working with in Hong Kong said about her specific situation. So Alex says that in February of 2023 that he rented a flat in a coastal village in Plover Cove, which was situated in Hong Kong. Neighbors reported there was a paranoid and unfriendly man in his 60s who would sometimes be accompanied by a woman of similar age that would come by that little apartment, basically, like that flat. And they said that when that happened, it would be in a seven-seater van, the same seven-seater van that Anthony, Alex's brother, usually drove when he was employed by Abby and acting as her driver. So evidently during this time, Quang Cao was perfecting a space to murder Abby. And again, Quang Cao is Alex's father, right? The ex-spouse, mm. it's his father. There are a lot of characters here, and so I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page. But he got this flat... Not as a replacement house for them, nay, nay, because that would be too reasonable. He got it to set up a, like, murder den, basically. He furnished... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a thing. So, wait. I'm sorry. Let Let me just understand here. So, you can afford to buy a house for a murder den. Mm hmm but you need your ex-daughter-in-law to buy you a house to live in. Mm, yeah, that, that's the general gist. Yeah. doesn't, you're gonna buy a murder den house to kill her. Yeah, and then what house are you gonna live in after she's dead? 
and you've used this I'm... one to butcher her in. Like, I have questions. I, Why I is mean, this plan a good one? No house, because you're going to live in jail, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was clear on that. Yeah, no, Go you're on. clear. Great. Good talk. Okay. So... Quaint Cow, he furnished the flat with tools which he intended to use to dismember Abby and covered the walls and floors in plastic. There were raincoats, masks, face coverings, paws, and I'm so sorry, like, this is all bad, but this one, like, makes my skin crawl. Meat grinders were among some of the items found at the premises later by authorities. Yeah. Abby was reported missing on... February 21st of 2023, when she didn't pick her daughter up from school is scheduled. She last entered the car driven by Anthony, her brother-in-law, who should have driven her to retrieve her daughter from school. Now, Anthony stopped outside of the Lion Rock Tunnel, which connects to the Plover Cove area, at which point Alex, Abby's ex, got into the car. The brothers were seen on surveillance videos carrying something large into the apartment when they did arrive. So this tells us that between the bridge stop and the apartment, you know, we've got just Alex, Anthony, and Abby by the tunnel. And then on arrival, we have Alex, Anthony, and mystery large bagged item being taken into the apartment it's mm. not looking great yeah, I so, don't love it. yeah when abby didn't come home her partner chris tam reported her missing right away even though he speculated that this was probably an abduction for ransom not like it wasn't even on his radar at this point that alex would have anything to do with it he's just thinking like abby's affluent She's been taken for ransom. Like, this is a hostage situation. Now, the Quangs were interviewed just as a routine part of the investigation. Because, like, with any case, you know, you're going to talk to, you know, the person's spouse. You're going to talk to, if they're divorced, that's going to be your next step. Talk to the ex. Talk to the other children involved. You know, both households. You know, that's just the starting point. So the Quangs were interviewed, but provided misleading information to the police, which eventually caused the police to circle back to the Quangs, and it led them to their apartment, because they were just like, "Mm, right from the jump, like, y'all are suspicious, a little fishy-fishy. So Mm -hmm. the apartment was vacant of furniture and contained only the meat grinders, I'm so sorry, pots of soup which were later confirmed to contain human remains, the purple bag that Abby was last seen with, I know, and Abby's ID card and credit cards. Abby's legs were also found dismembered and stored in the refrigerator. Oh, God, that literally made me gag. I'm sorry, guys. We don't even have to cut that out because that's like... My authentic reaction is to try not to <laughs> hurl at that. That's Gosh. so much. Oh, so. Yeah. It's speculated by law enforcement that Alex delivered a fatal blow to Abby in the van, although this speculation has not necessarily been like publicly confirmed. Abby's brother and parents-in-law were fully arrested, but Alex went on the run yet again. Again. Hmm. He was hiding out in the home of his father's mistress of half a year, who stated that she was recently dating a man who wanted to, quote, take care of her with his money. And because her life was being funded by Quang, she stopped going to work as a masseuse and helped Quang rent her residence and the apartment that was used to kill Abby. She was arrested as an accomplice for assisting in procuring a spot to carry out the crime. So she's one of the seven that did a yeet. Mm. Yeah. Great. So on February 25th, law enforcement intercepted Alex at the pier after a tip that he was planning to escape via speedboat. He had 86000 U.S. dollars on his person, as well as jewelry, and another individual was also arrested 
for assisting to coordinate Alex's escape in exchange for $100,000. This was a friend of Alex's who worked with a yacht charter company. Now, despite expansive search efforts, which have included like digging up graveyards and landfills even, parts of Abby's body have unfortunately never been fully recovered, at least as of the recording of this episode. So it's believed that Abby's in-laws dismembered her of necessity as Hong Kong is pretty like all right on top of each other, right? Mm. I mean, this isn't like in the U.S. where things are spread out. Like my in-laws in Nebraska come to mind because they're on like a couple of acres of property, right? Or even my parents in North Carolina. I mean, their nearest neighbor... Yeah. I mean, you you could walk to it if you wanted to, like you could, but you know, like it you could also very easily like take a couple minute drive there, you know, like Right. It it's just we're more spaced out like versus in a huge industrial city like Hong Kong. Things are, like, more apartment-living-based, and anybody who's meant knows that you can't sneeze on one side of the wall without somebody hearing it on the other side. So I know. Then, you know, you have so many witnesses going in and out of a building like that. I'm just, like, surprised, honestly, that, like, the smells and the sounds of things weren't enough to, like, draw attention sooner although i mean the whole case start to close was four days so you know they didn't do a bad job anyway but anyway point being like right on top of each other so it's actually pretty common that we hear when somebody is killed in hong kong that dismemberment is actually like dismemberment and like cooking the body mm-hmm. is actually like a pretty I, I don't want to say common practice because it's not common for murders to take place in Hong Kong at all, right? Yeah. They have a low violent crime rate, but because it's harder to dispose of a body, it's more common to see that methodology of quote unquote cleanup. Mm. And that's not because they intend on actually consuming the remains, but it's just an effort to conceal the smells of decomposition and the obvious removal of a bulky body in the middle of a big city. Does that make sense? Right. No, it makes sense. Gross, but yeah. So now on February 28th, every family member who had been arrested in connection to the case thus far was arraigned and denied bail, and they all denied to enter pleas at this time. On March 7th, a seventh person was arrested in connection to the case, but not much information has been made publicly available. We do know that the arrested party is a 28-year-old female influencer, and we know that there's wide speculation that Pun, who is a cooking influencer from Hong Kong, is the one who was arrested in connection to the murder. So we do know the arrested party is a 28-year-old female influencer. That much has been legitimately verified. And we also know that there is wide speculation that Pun, a cooking influencer from Hong Kong, is the one who was arrested in connection to the murder. But that part about the specific identity of the influencer is just internet speculation and it has not been confirmed by law enforcement. She has been accused of helping at least one of the family members in Abby's murder and then also of trying to flee Hong Kong and go to mainland China to escape culpability for the crimes. Which is kind of backwards, you know? You don't hear a lot of people fleeing to communist China. But uh, yeah, really, yeah. In her case, that was that was the move. So then, the mistress, the friend of Alex, who worked with the yacht company and assisted in Alex's escape attempt, and the influencer, 
those three were afforded bail and were required to turn in their passports so they could not travel to minimize flight risk while they pended trial. For assistance in an escape attempt, the sentence can be anywhere from two to ten years in Hong Kong. So they weren't necessarily looking at being charged like for the murder itself, but it's not like a slap on the wrist thing either to have that type of association with a crime of this nature. And they tend to go harder on sentences than not for crimes of this nature. So as we said during the case, the case currently still is in an open status and considered an ongoing case as we are pending some trials. It's unknown at this time if more arrests are anticipated to take place in connection to this ongoing investigation, but they were very quick, again, a four-day window to make the bulk of those arrests and to feel they had a strong enough case to press charges and feel that they secured the correct responsible parties, but not everything has gone to trial yet, so technically still an open case. It is believed that Quang was the mastermind behind Abby's murder and that Mm. he took inspiration for how to cover up the crime from his time serving as a member of the Hong Kong police. Again, this information kind of goes back to that Stephanie Harlow video I was telling you guys about. I really encourage you to check her out because she goes into more detail on some of the cases that are believed to have possibly given Quang ideas how to kill Abby, and I didn't want to get into a big tangent on a bunch of other cases, but I do feel that she does like a really good job of deep diving that part of things as well, if you want information on some of those cases. God. Yeah. So as far as ramifications go for the crimes against Abby, there is no death penalty in Hong Kong. So the worst anyone who has been connected to this crime will get would be life in prison, but it's fully anticipated that all of the in-laws involved will serve a life term. That's like the mother-in-law. The fuck they yeah. should. Yeah, because I mean, Hong Kong doesn't play with that. I mean, they might not have the death penalty, but they don't take it lightly either. You know, this won't be like 15 years in parole, more likely mm. than not. Like, I don't. They don't anticipate anybody's going to be paroled. Like they're going to be pretty tough on this because it's very serious, and they were all very much aware, culpable, and involved. You know. Yeah. There's also speculation that the actual trial won't take place until they try to get more information from Abby's former in-laws as to where the rest of Abby's remains are. It sounds like they really want to try to secure the rest of Abby's remains before things go to trial. It's kind of like a bartering chip, right? You know, like, Mm, once it goes to trial and they're fully sentenced, they have no reason to want to give up that information other than, you know, the kindness of their hearts, which they apparently don't have. So there's that. Um, Now, on March 10th of 2023... A ritual was held for Abby outside of the house where her body was found. Um, The Taoist ceremony hopes to bring rest to Abby's spirit and serves as an opportunity to honor her memory and offer one another comfort. The Social Welfare Department and Red Cross offered counseling to any resident of the town who is dealing with trauma from the event. And additionally, Chris Tam, Abby's partner, has even taken in her two children from the previous marriage with Alex so that the kids can all be raised together as they grieve the loss of their mother. And he just says that he is so happy to have had Abby in his life, and he's grateful to be able to raise the kids together while they navigate their grief. What a gem. What a gem. He just sounds like such a good person, and him and Abby seemed so good together and all of that it's just such a sad situation all because people are selfish little dolls who won't pay their own rent literally it's ridiculous but can pay the rent for their murdered in make that make sense jackasses okay so all of the story is if you can pay rent probably just live in a place and don't turn it into a murder 
Wow, great advice. Five stars. Mm, thanks. Follow me for more life hacks. <laughs> Good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging in with us this episode. I hope that my energy wasn't too low, low from like feeling mm. like butthole. No, it was so special. We it was it. so special. Thanks, guys. I really tried my darndest. Okay, in terms of like calendar. Uh, we kind of touched on this earlier in the episode, but things that you guys have to look forward to. We are going to record a, like, not scripted episode. Like, we usually have outlines, right, for yeah. for all of our main episodes. They're not, like, scripted scripted, but they're, like, outlines. We have an outline, yeah. We, we have an outline. We don't necessarily, like, sit there and read off of it. We engage with each other with, like, commentary, questions, etc., Oh, yeah, the commentary is completely unscripted. Yeah, like, we don't know each other's cases other than, like, generally, like, the name of it, you know? Or, like, if we've heard it before, we might have some context or whatever. But, yeah. So, point being, though, we usually, like, write up an outline or whatever. Next week is going to be kind of atypical because what we're going to do is we're going to have an episode about my personal experiences with the troubled teen industry and in my case I was sent off to a place for two years two weeks and two days and this place took me years to identify the verbiage for it but I'm here to share with you all that the appropriate descriptor for this place was in fact a cult we're going to talk about my time (laughs) in an actual fucking cult and yeah that that's also probably why i was naive enough to almost get sex trafficked to spain so you know it was the cult it's it's what it is but that's going to be our episode for next week we're just going to talk about some of like the crazy things that i experienced there and a little bit about the troubled teen institution in general um and aside from that in terms of a bonus content that you guys have to look forward to for patreons this week we have an off topic tuesday which is exactly what it sounds like it's gonna be like she initiate a little bit i think the the episode that we're gonna do is how well do you know your co-host is that right Tom? yeah it's gonna be fun super cute um and then of course we'll have um on wednesdays we wear yellow jackets episode four and then the following week uh, after we have the cult episode mm. on October 10th, we have for Patreons, what the fuck is going on in Colorado? Uh, specifically, we are doing haunted locations in Colorado for October spooky season. And then we'll have another on Wednesdays. We wear yellow jackets. That one will be episode five. Yeah. So that's what's coming up, kitty cats. It's going to be a fun time. Stay tuned. Great. Um, Also, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This is so important. Mucho importante. Patreons. Shout outs for next recording. Bam. Okay, I'm so sorry. I meant to do this at the beginning of the episode, but as you know... I am out of it, <laughs> so I apologize for the structure of this. But we have three new Patreons. What the even heck, you guys? So, Vicky, so much. So, oh, Vicky, I'm so sorry. Vicky, we love you, but your last name is so hard. So, Myatis, are you Greek? Let me know. Drop a comment. I just want to know if you, like, enjoy Spanakopita. I also enjoy Spanakopita. That just sounds a little Greek to me, and I'm not great at pronouncing that, but you're a beautiful person. Thank you so much. Farah Roberts, also, thank you so much for your support. We super-de-duper appreciate it. And precious little John John wanted access to Lululemon murders early, (laughs) so he became a sub, which I thought was so nice. He actually, like, didn't even listen to it until it was, like, 
publicly available. I think no. he just knew that I was like entering being clinically depressed from how sick I am. And so he was like sitting next to me on the couch and I got like a push notification that he had become a paid subscriber and it made me smile. And I was like, okay, well, Excellent you get to live of... another day. Excellent <laughs> sense of self-preservation, Jonathan. Exactly. So thank you, precious little John John for that. And just so that you guys know as well, we are publishing the first episode only, okay, for public access of the series that our Patreons have access to. That way, people who are public listeners can have one episode to sample showing what the content will look like once you subscribe our highest tiered patreons get three episodes a week which is like pretty good that's yeah like basically we're netflix they get the main episode they get the tuesday bonus episode and on wednesdays we wear yellow jackets they get yeah exactly and we rotate out the tuesday episodes usually as a general rule that looks like two off-topic tuesdays a month one what the fuck is going on in colorado a month and one following crime and then if there's a fifth tuesday in the month we try to make the fifth episode something bonus e that's not an off-topic tuesday so that might be like a dark history a following crime extra mm-hmm. or um you know, maybe even an extra what the fuck is going on in Colorado. I didn't but even we'd... know that was a thing that we did because LJ makes the calendar and I just follow it. <laughs> she just shows up, basically. And then, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's what we try to do when there's a fifth Tuesday. We try to make it a Tuesday that's worthwhile and it does happen. So, And if you go to our Patreon, it's like patreon.com slash psycho right now. You can see what tiers get what series. So, you know, maybe you're just a what the fuck Igwick girly. And right. that's valid. all you really want. Maybe you want to find out what the fuck is going on in Colorado. And if that's all you want, bitch, I got great news for you. That's only $3. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? yeah. But if you're somebody who like wants it all, which I get it. That specific tier, our highest tier, we do have like an ongoing thing. It's not something that we're like canceling or whatever. It's just indefinitely built into our Patreon that you can sign up for a one week free trial of that. So you like have that option to do a one week sampling and you do have access to all of our previous bonus content, which is like a lot right now. We, we have a fair amount out that you can access. Yeah. Perfect. So for one week for free, you can access all of that. It's an unbeatable deal. Truly. Go do it. Great. Love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll look forward to all of these wonderful episodes that we just outlined for you. Yeah. Running. Yeah. Can't talk anymore. We're just going to shut this down. The best I can say is yeah. Bye. Okay. Toodaloo. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.